0: Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to be reading the first two verses. Revelation 12, verses 1 and 2. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain, to be delivered. Now, we mentioned in our last study that the woman is a picture of the true believers of the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament elective God, who brought forth the Lord Jesus Christ. Or at least that's the figure that God is using of this woman and the child she gives birth to. There, there is no question that the child, the man-child, is uh, typifying Jesus And and then that makes us wonder, well, who then is the woman? And we see as she's clothed with the sun and the moon's under her feet and she wears a crown of 12 stars, that it can only be a picture, a portrait of the elect and the the elect of the Old Testament because Jesus came after 11,000 years of history he entered into the human race and and walked amongst men and uh, demonstrated uh, with uh, living out as a tableau the things that he he had done in his atoning work from the foundation of the world and and so this woman is said to be a great wonder in heaven or a great sign in heaven and in our last study we looked at. The Greek word translated as sign. Well, we're going to continue on um, in verse 1 to the next phrase where it says a woman clothed with the sun. And this is one of the statements that proves that the woman is a picture of those that God has saved, his elect, because she is clothed with the sun. Now, to be clothed, first of all, Um, We read in Isaiah 61 and verse 10 uh, this statement that helps us to understand what God means when we read that someone is clothed uh, with the sun as we're seeing in our verse. In Isaiah 61 verse 10 it says, I will greatly rejoice in Jehovah. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. And this is the picture. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. And he is referring to God. He is the one that has clothed, the um, people that he has saved, that uh, he has taken their sins upon himself and paid for them and died for them and purged them from the sinners and made them righteous in the eyes of God. It's the same picture that we find in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew In chapter 25, in Matthew 25, this is describing the time when the Son of Man comes in his glory, Judgment Day, and he sits upon the throne of his glory, and then before him all the nations are gathered, and he separates one from another like a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And the Lord says of those that are blessed, those that are sheep, and those that are placed on his right hand, he says in verse 35, for I was a hungry and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and ye took me in. Naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. All of these statements are pointing to someone in their sin. And, and the gospel, the word of God was brought to them, uh, they, They um, were brought into the presence of the Bible as the Bible has the power to save. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And Christ is commending these ones that are placed on his right hand, the, the blessed ones, and he's saying that he was naked because he is speaking of all those that were to be saved as part of his body, his spiritual body. And when when they were naked and covered, it was as though Christ himself were naked and clothed. And to be naked in the Bible points to having one's sins exposed, naked and open before the eyes of God that's why at the very beginning in the garden of eden as soon as adam and eve had sinned what was the first thing that they realized about themselves they realized they were naked they had no clothing and and then when god um paid them a visit and they hid themselves and and they said, because we were naked. And God said, well, who told you you were naked? Sin is what makes us naked before God. And God's searching, piercing eyes that see everything. They see everything outwardly that we've done, our outward actions, and they see everything inwardly that we've done, our inward thoughts of the heart. God's Piercing gaze is able to go into the the deep uh, recesses of our very being, and he sees sin and iniquity in places we we never even imagine and in, in our deep down thoughts that we're not even aware of. God sees it all, and all sin is naked before him. And and that's why we desperately needed clothing. We needed a covering. And, and that's why Adam and Eve instinctively, as soon as they sinned, they made themselves aprons to cover their nakedness. But that wasn't sufficient. And that's actually what man has been doing throughout time with uh, various religions, with various gospels, attempting to manufacture his own clothing, to cover themselves, uh, but not with the acceptable robe of Christ's righteousness, not with the the clothing of God's salvation that is only wrought by the Lord Jesus Christ as he died for this individual and that individual. No, man attempts to do it on his own, not to seek the covering of God, but to uh manufacture his own covering and and that's why um, we have 2 billion about professing christians and 1 billion muslims about or something like that and and uh, and hundreds of millions of other religions man is uh, constantly seeking to cover his sins now the secular man oh he's far more advanced. He has evolved, he thinks, beyond religious superstition. And so he has gotten to the point where he has gotten rid of God. He uh, he doesn't need God. There is no God, he says. Here's how everything happened from the beginning. Um, we We just evolved and developed over the course of very long periods of time. Billions of years and until the, we're at the point we, we're at now. And what has the secular man done? He has developed his own ideology, his own philosophy that has covered his sin because he has done away with God. If you do away with God, you've done away with the law of God. And if there's no law, there's no sin. There is no nakedness before God, and, and therefore uh, there is no guilt or shame or um, worry of judgment. And, and so the, the secular uh, individual, the, the individual who disdains those who seek to cover their guilt through religion and through Christianity or, or uh, through the idea of God, they have done exactly the same thing, just going about it a different route, and, and they have in doing away with God covered over their sin, just like Adam and Eve. It, it's just another variation of the same theme. Every human being, every man in his life knows deep down there is a God and deep down he's in trouble with that God, and every human being tries to cover over his sin, to cover over that problem that, that uh, has brought him under the wrath of God. And people just do it in a variety of ways, but it all results in the same thing. It is just knitting together fig leaves, And, and attempting to place them over ourselves so our sins cannot be seen by that infinite eye of the all-seeing God. And, and so, uh, here we find that the only solution, that the only real covering that the Bible speaks of and offers is the covering that God himself provides. Remember in Genesis 3, uh, when Adam and Eve had sinned, they uh, made the fig leaves. And then we read in Genesis 3, verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did Jehovah God make coats of skins and clothe them. God is the one who worked out a covering for Adam and Eve. And, that of course, that doesn't mean they were saved. They could have been saved. But this is just a historical parable, a historical picture, as Adam is a picture of Christ at times, and Eve, Adam's wife, is a picture of the believers. And so here, God uh, made coats of skin and clothed them. And in order to make those coats, God first had to kill the animals and to shed their blood and then to take their skin and, and cover Adam and Eve. And that portrays what happened to Christ. He first had to be slain, his blood had to be shed, and then sufficient covering was uh, provided for God's elect. And, and, and so that is the picture we find here in Revelation 12 with this woman who appears as this great sign, this great wonder in heaven. She is clothed with the sun. And the sun, S-U-N, like the sun in the sky. And we've gone over this in, in our studies many times, so we're not going to go to the many verses that we could go to to prove this. We'll just go to one. That plainly states who the son represents and, and this is always very helpful when God provides a single verse that, that offers definition for a spiritual term. And, and that's why we search the scriptures. We look up everywhere the word son is found and we see, does this help us in understanding our verse? No, well let's go on to the next verse where the word son is found. Does this help us? And and normally when we we do that and we uh, are diligent and search all the instances a word is found, there will be a helpful verse or two and sometimes more uh, that provides that biblical definition for the type and figure God is using. And in Psalm 84 verse 11, we have, uh, one verse that does that for the word son. It says, for Jehovah God is a son and shield. Jehovah God is a son. And, and there we, we have our biblical definition and we see very well why the woman who represents the true believers or individuals God has saved, why the woman is clothed. Remember, clothing has to do with salvation that covers over our spiritual nakedness, our sins. And the woman is clothed with the Son. And uh, that's because Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The sun in the sky, that brilliant light that enlightens the whole earth is a beautiful figure that God has used of Christ himself. And Christ is our covering. He is our salvation. He himself is the Savior. He is our righteousness. He is our faith. We're saved by the faith of Christ. So, Salvation is completely wrapped up in the person of Jesus Christ, eternal God, and he has become our covering. And that's why God looks upon the woman, that is, all those many people, that that great multitude alive today, living on the earth, that he has saved, and in saving those people from every tongue and tribe and nation. God has clothed them, and God sees them differently than everyone else, than all the other billions of people of the earth. They're not clothed. God sees a world of spiritually naked people and scattered amongst them, this remnant, numbering in the tens of millions, but in comparison to over 7 billion people, a remnant. God sees this remnant that is clothed with the sun. They have the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ over all their sin. God sees no sin. He sees, therefore, no nakedness. He sees people who are properly attired. Remember that one parable, also in the Gospel of Matthew, where um, there was a wedding feast and The um, Was it a king? Let's see, in Matthew 22, and yes, it was a king. He came in to visit and inspect the guests. And in verse 11 it says, And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless." Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, what is all that about? Uh, we, we would think that uh, what a, a cruel king. Just because a man doesn't have on the, the wedding garment. Uh, He casts them out into outer darkness and, and there's weeping of gnashing of, and of teeth and, and so forth. It just seems like an overreaction until we realize that the king is God coming in to inspect the guests and, and he, he sees all of his people who are properly attired with the covering, the clothing of God's salvation, they're covered with the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and, and so God sees this guest, He's covered with the Lord Jesus Christ, and this guest, and that guest, and He turns to the next guest, and here is this man, without a wedding garment, which means all the King sees, all God sees is that man's sin. He only sees every sin committed in thought, word, and deed from all of his life long, from his conception as he was conceived in sin and born speaking lies into the, all the days of his life as he committed sin after sin after sin and, and until it was a mountain of sin. And so here is this great, holy, glorious king the King of Heaven, and he sees this individual and all of their sins upon them. So, of course, uh, the, the King is is full of wrath. Of course, he will have that individual cast out of the wedding. It is only for those that are properly attired with their clothing of the Son of Jesus Christ himself. Well, let's go back to Revelation 12, and it says in, in the next part of the verse, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. This is speaking of the same woman that is clothed with the sun, and therefore it's still speaking of the elect, and she has the moon under her feet. Now, the moon is not easy to understand in the Bible, but we we do know that the moon in the natural world has no ability to shine light of itself. The moon just reflects the light of the sun. And so it's uh, shining at night, the reflective light of the sun. And, And when we look at all the verses in the Bible that speak of the moon, we're able to determine that the moon is a figure of the law of God. The law of God that condemns the sinner. The law of God that is over and, and above the sinner, and the sinner is under the law, and the weight of the law is coming down upon the sinner, because we're in our sin if we're not saved, and God's wrath is upon us, due to our sin and and so the the law is normally typified as being above us. And yet when we become saved, when when God has um, washed away all of our iniquity and when we're clothed with the sun, so no sin can be seen because our nakedness has been covered then the law is no longer above us condemning us and um, decreeing that we are to be killed. But the law has come under our feet and it has no more condemnation to pronounce against the child of God. And, and so this is actually a wonderful figure God is giving to illustrate that the law and the whole Bible is the law book, that the law of God no longer demands our death, no longer is pronouncing condemnation upon us. and and so we are free from the law. It, it is under our feet. Now a verse that um, helps us to see that the moon, uh represents the law can be found in Psalm 89 Psalm 89 and verses 36 and 37 and this is uh the uh, pronoun masculine pronoun we're going to start with is is referring to Jesus his seed shall endure forever and his throne as the sun before me there we see Christ's throne as the sun. Once that, once again, God, as Psalm 84.11 says, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. And here again, the sun is identified um, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 37, it shall be, that is the throne of God, the throne of Christ, it shall be established forever as the moon. And as a faithful witness in heaven, Selah, God's throne, or the reign of the glorious King, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, uh, who is uh, seated in that high and lofty throne uh, in the heavens. Uh, He is that eternal God that inhabits eternity. Well, his throne is established forever as the moon. Now, obviously, the moon, the, the physical moon, uh, is not going to last forever. The physical moon will be destroyed with this creation, with the, the literal sun, moon, and stars, the celestial lights, the celestial bodies that uh, occupy the heavens above us. And this whole world and creation, this whole universe as God spoken into existence will be destroyed on the last day and God will create a new heaven and a new earth. And, and so this moon is certainly not going to endure forever. But the moon that relates to the law of God or the word of God, the Bible, thy word uh, we read of of the word of God endureth forever. The word of the Lord endureth forever. The moon endureth forever. And and so there's um, uh, I think a key verse to help us understand that the moon is pointing to the law of God. Well, uh, and going back to Revelation 12 verse one, the verse concludes, and upon her head a crown. ...of twelve stars. And uh, everything about that statement identifies with the elect. Number one, the crown, as the Bible um, speaks of crowns in relationship to salvation. And also the number twelve has to do with fullness. So this is the fullness of God's elect that receive a crown that relates to salvation... And the stars, the the 12 stars pointing to the fullness, um, all those whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, we'll just look at one verse at this time as we close our study tonight. And maybe we'll pick up with this again in our next study. In Daniel 12, it says in verses 2 and 3, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame. An everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness, as the stars for ever and ever. The stars of the heaven, as God promised to Abraham, that his seed would be as the stars for multitude. All those God saved are likened to the stars that light up our night sky. And think about that the next time you're out on a clear night and you look up into the heaven and you see all those stars. And if you had a telescope, you could see many, many more. But no one's ever been able to count them all. And as you look at all the stars across the sky, just think, well, God has said that His seed, through the Lord Jesus Christ, will be as the stars of the heaven for multitude. And that is just a wonderful statement expressing how great salvation God has made in saving so many who, and not a one, has deserved it. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies.